Learn how to train your mind. Your mind is your biggest opponent. It's because if you can convince yourself out of a lot of things, you can really talk yourself out of some some moves that you should have made because the lie is here. And if you don't have the will to train your mind, you'll get in positions where you're supposed to be great, but your mental conditioning hasn't been proper and you're falling apart. And I would just say, train your mind and cleanse your heart because it's not enough to be smart and to be pure here and not pure here because everything's tied to how you care for people. Welcome everybody to episode 17 of the Paul and Powell's podcast. I'm your host, Ponyboy Paul, and Paul and Powell is a podcast where I interview my creative pals to know how they became who they are today to inspire you for tomorrow. First off, I want to wish you all a happy new year. Thank you for joining and uh, coming back to all my new listeners, watchers. I appreciate you as well. Uh, on this episode, I have a creative conversation with my pal, JB Armstrong. Uh, JB is a director, writer, cinematographer, just overall storyteller. And in this episode, he kind of tells us how he actually landed in cinematography because it wasn't his first option. He tells us how he became the CEO of not one, but two companies. And finally, we kind of really get into how he finally learned to appreciate who he is and train his mind. And this is one of my longest episodes so far, but it's definitely worth it. So I hope you guys are able to tune in. Uh, maybe you have to break it down and come back if something really speaks to you. But I was definitely inspired by this episode, and I hope it inspires you and motivates you to get creative. Also, I want to announce, for those that don't know, that I've also dropped a newsletter that will now be accompanying every episode that comes out. So every other Monday, uh, you guys can subscribe, link in bio, um, link in the show notes. And basically, the newsletters for those that aren't able to really, you know, tune into social media sometimes, catch it live, or maybe you're kind of too busy to go and listen to an hour-long podcast. The newsletter basically just kind of breaks down my takes from the um, episode. I also have the links if you guys do want to go listen, do want to watch it. So if you guys want me in your email uh, inbox every other Monday, just feel free to sign up, and uh, I promise not to spam you. Yo, what's good, my guy? Yeah, here. What's good, G? Hey, welcome, man. Welcome. Happy New Year. How you feeling, bro? feeling great man happy new year to you brother thank you for having me here I'm, I'm, it's good man i mean it's uh it's actually been a minute and i remember when i when i hit you up and i was like yo i want to do this thing i want to hit you up and you were like yo i'm honored i felt like damn like i thought it was gonna be like oh i'm busy i got some shit to do but you was you was like about at the moment you uh i said it so i'm really appreciating you uh wanting to be here and i think what i always like to do what i like to start with is to kind of give everybody a background of like how we know each other, how we're actually pals. And uh, for those that don't know, I actually used to be a part of the Michigan marching band back in the day. And uh, I came in there thinking I was sweet, that I, that I could play, trying to uh, be on my Nick Cannon shit. And I came in and I realized quickly, <laughs> I realized big mistake. a big mistake. But no, uh, you were one of the um, symbolists there at the university. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. you work with each other every day. You were really dope. So um, shout out to George, go blue, baby. Hey, That's right. Go blue. Shout out Appreciate Ch you stopping by, George. Shout out Chuck Ricotta too, bro. And uh, yeah, so Legend. I think, um, yeah, that's really how we got to know it. I think overall, we kind of just stayed in touch, obviously, because of social media. So I just wanted mm -hmm. to ask and start with, first of all, how are you doing? How is this new year treating you? I'm doing great. You know, um, I'm blessed beyond measure, to be honest. Um, despite loss and the situations that we're in and we find ourselves facing, God has been good. So I can't really complain. Gotcha. I really can't. Um, and that's really, really it. I, you know, steady working on making sure I'm hitting my vision marks, what we're trying to do mm -hmm. uh, as far as the company goes. And I know, I know we'll dig into that a bit later, Thanks. but 
the year just started off uh, fantastic. I was surrounded by friends and family down here mm-hmm. in L.A., um, although a lot of my friends and people are back home, miss yeah. me and I miss them. It's, it, it's been really hard, a hard transition because typically I would go home and fly back home and see everybody. Yeah. But uh, it was a bit tough, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. I've just been afforded a great opportunity to still be surrounded by love and, and, and a great support system here. So it's been off to a great start so far for me. That's good Can't to complain. hear, bro. And yeah. let's, uh, let's start there. Like where exactly are you from born and raised all that? So born and raised Detroit, Michigan, um, 26 years, 27 years. Yeah. Um, I was born and raised there. I think, uh, I left, graduated high school, 2010, went mm-hmm. to South Lake high school. That's over in East point. Gotcha. Um, but grew up over seven mile and Ryan was the neighborhood that I was growing up in at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was shuttled back and forth to private school, um, so early on, I you know was from the streets of Detroit, but had an opportunity to go to you know private school, preschool through fifth grade, and then oh, public wow. schools. Yeah, so like that gave me a sense of different perspective on how education works from that perspective because yeah. it's we're wearing uniforms and and uh, I'm the only black kid out of what three. Damn. So early, so early on, you know, you 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 start to see the differences between growing up yeah. in a city that is you know Metro Detroit yet. Um, across the street, you go to Royal Oak and it's white suburbia and it's a different type of upbringing. And so, um, that's kind of how I started. And then after South Lake high school, Mm -hmm. got to the university of Michigan, um, which was a blessing, you know, the U of M taught me a lot. I'm grateful for the, the abilities and the the opportunities that they gave me, Mm -hmm. um, just by connection alone. People used to say that you're like you're you're actually graduating with a, a body of people that can help you, and that's I thought that was cap. I used to be like, man, what is these people? How could they really help me? Yeah, you know, it's really about my hustle and my degree alone and what I learned. But truly, you know, even in this moment, you and I, um, it's the connection. Like we I, we forged a relationship there, so I'm thankful for, to have that yeah. opportunity to come from the University of Michigan. So, uh, it's kind of a roundabout way of how I got up into cinematography and you know what i do now yeah it's, it's through kind of growing up in this different landscape of places you know and kind of you know internalizing those visually and then determining how do i want to tell these stories got you so and i kind of want to go back to the private school because that's something i wasn't aware of and like you never think about that too much when you think about detroit so i wanted to ask you like when you were first growing up in that environment mm-hmm. were you aware that it wasn't that norm or were you kind of like, Oh, this is life. Like how, how was that experience for you? Um, I considered myself pretty sharp when I was a kid. So I knew that this was life, but it also wasn't normal life. Like there was a bit of it that was, uh, I don't want to say sheltered, but, um, there was a clear difference just, from, you know, and so when I would go back home during the times I was being, you know, educated privately, um, my speech was the, the talk of the town because <laughs> they would say, damn, boy, you, you talking white, <laughs> white than a motherfucker, like anything, you know, and just so I, it, you get those kind of codes yeah. early on, you're kind of like, what does that mean? Mm. And so, and then you go back across the, you know, same way, and then you're talking the way you talk back home, and they're like, what? That's crazy. 
They're interested. They're like, what is okay? But so it's and you're always kind of I don't want to say torn, but it is this dance or this code switching of sorts. Got you. Even early that you're learning, like I can't talk the same way. They and and not that you feel afraid to, but it's like they don't get it, and so it makes you kind of feel uncomfortable. And so, nonetheless, I was able to kind of conquer those fears and kind of work through that and still be myself. You know, my yeah. I had a great support system. My family, my mom and my dad you know, um, definitely encouraged me to still be strong and everything, like stand up for who you were and who you are and embrace it, but also learn to um, tailor it. You don't always have to wear it on your sleeve. And so I was always able to kind of go in and out and be able to understand the 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 micro, gotcha. micro the micro energies of, of how people interact with each other in speech, mm-hmm. um, but still be able to feel liberated in that and not feel like I had to cater to someone's intentions. Gotcha. So- that's interesting you learned that so young because I think it's it's something you might deal with when, let's say you're the person that's outperforming people or you're doing really well in school and people might feel a way because they might judge your background. And it seemed like you were able to mm-hmm. kind of catch on to that. So I wanted to know how did that kind of influence going into high school and maybe even more college? Like, did you already have in mind what you wanted to do or did you kind of feel like you were still kind of searching? Um. Well, we'll start from the transition going into high school and then the college. I think that's important mm-hmm. because I don't think I got a chance to understand what I wanted to do until my mother gave me an opportunity to go to um, a trial and advocacy program in Boston. I wanted to be a lawyer. So by the time I was in 10th, 10th grade going into 11th, I knew I wanted to do something with law. Like that was my focus. I want to be a lawyer. Um, specifically a district attorney. So like I had this ambition to go to U of M for their law program. Obviously they have one of the top programs in the world. And so um, she gave me a chance to go to Boston, which was like this two week program. Again, one of my first chances of actually traveling alone, uh, which then builds to a later story uh, of my progression and kind of just discovering myself. Um, So I'm away, you know, just discovering this art of trial and law. And I was pretty good at it. Like, I won a couple of awards from it, you know, so to speak. So when I got back, I was like, yeah, I want I want to be a lawyer. And so, um, again, I understood that there was a, a, a barrier, you know, color-wise and just physically of, of getting to that realm. You know, you have to be not even, you have to be above exceptional. Yeah. So I knew I had a different level of caliber of work that I had to achieve. And so that goes back to early on. In elementary, you know, I I knew that my blackness made me stand out. And so not only am I, people are watching, you know, so that means I have to tailor my intentions and my decisions a a big way that are exceptional, if not even more. And so you take that from elementary and you're in high school and you're like, I want to be a lawyer. Now I'm taking AP courses. I'm doing the work, you know, I'm getting the A's and working hard because I know my next level is this. And so understanding how to balance the language of your color in a space where sometimes you don't necessarily feel like it's able to was hard. Cause I'm, it's a new experience. Yeah. And so um, I got to college and I'm like, this is what I wanted to do, get to graduation. And by the time I get accepted to Michigan, I know I'm going to law. I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm no. <laughs> yeah. You took a big switch, bro. 10th grade, sophomore year. Mm-hmm. I have a mental breakdown. Like completely. I'm at the Wendy's at the union. 
uh, like in the corner. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I, I was like political science. I was double majoring in philosophy and music. You know, like obviously marching band made sense. Yeah. Cause I'm, I loved music at the time and I still do nonetheless. But again, my path was law. So I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. But it's important to make sure that in these spaces where you're trying to understand how to navigate other people's intentions, you have to get back to understanding what are your intentions. Because by the time I got to high school, I was so comfortable with trying to appease everybody else for the standards that they expected me to have that I thought law was what it, where it was. Mm. And I have put on the front. I, I'm in it for the money. I'm like, I'm, hell yeah, I'm going to be paid. Like, yeah. Black Lori, he's smart, handsome. <laughs> who couldn't beat it? But <laughs> when, when you find yourself really at a crossroad of faith and a crossroad of life, uh-huh. God finds you and he speaks to you. And I had a mental breakdown at that Wendy's and I was like, this is not what I wanted to do. Like my course load was heavy. Um, I hated the reading. I hated reading. I was like, if this, if this is what lawyers do, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And no offense to my lawyer buddies and people who are in law, because I do think it's man, po- more power to you. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's a, a, a awesome experience and an awesome career to be in justice alone. I love it. And so it just wasn't for me. And I'll never forget this. Um, I called my aunt on my dad's side. And I said, I just, I don't know what to do. I, I really don't know what to do. I'm crying on the phone. Like, I, I have no clue. I'm at the school. Tuition's high. Like, I'm already feeling, again, like another outcast. You just want to go back to the elementary basis of understanding being a statistic among people who, where you're the minority, literally. Mm-hmm. You go to Michigan, and I'm easily 10 of 500 in a lecture hall. You can, you can attest to that. Like, yeah. there are times where it's like, I'm, there's not many of us here. And so you get to a space where I'm, you don't necessarily feel like yourself. You're not in the right career path. You hate the workload and you also don't necessarily fit in. It's like you become overwhelmed. And I really, truly believe in understanding what's best for you. Because my aunt told me, she said, you have to wake up every day loving what you do. Whatever it is that you decide to do when you graduate from here and whatever degree it is or whatever. You have to wake up every single day saying, I love what I do when I wake up. And I'll never forget those words because they soothed me in a way that really allowed me to understand what it meant to be introspective and say, what is it that JB needs? And I think a lot of times when we're trying to navigate spaces where we are trying to be successful or achieve something great, we, we let our ego get the best of us and we're not listening to what's best for just the internal self. We're chasing the high of the 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 claps from everybody else. Yeah. But are you satisfying what's internally saying this isn't right? And early on, I was able to get that from her, and I realized that law wasn't it. And through high school, I was great at art. Like I was a great drawer. I I could I loved acrylic paint. Like that was my medium. Um, and something told me just to uh, uh try out for the art school, or you know, just submit your portfolio. Yeah. And I got accepted on the spot, and. I was like, okay, this is the start of something new. So now I'm in the marching band. I'm meeting friends like you, you know, life looking good. But again, another roadblock. And this is all sophomore year in in college, right? Sophomore, junior year. Right. So I'm, I'm quickly trying to find myself because I, I, I'm two years in on pre-law. Yeah. You got to graduate. I have to, I got to (laughs) graduate. So I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, so you know, during this time, it's just, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of trial and error. And um, 
you find yourself just really picking up some pieces like, okay, man, damn, what's next? Okay, this didn't work. No one knew this. Like I was just, I was doing my thing, but I was also looking at the bigger picture um, and still trying to play catch up. Yeah. So get to art and design. I'm accepted. Um, they're doing a lot of things based in 2D medium and, you know, stuff that I'm familiar with, but man, it's not hitting. Like uh, this isn't for me. Like this is real. Uh, uh, Tim the Tool Man Taylor type. I'm not really. This artsy. isn't me. It's too artsy. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, right. I'm like okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like said, this ain't it. <laughs> gr- granted, I learned a, gr- a lot of great skills, like yeah. uh, hands-on skills and things about thinking technical and critically about projects and approaching them from a place of saying, now nah, if I think about this holistically, just from vision, how do I get this to tangible? Because sometimes you are sculpting, like we are cutting wood and building things, and you know we're I, we're literally welding things like mm. part of getting an a like you have to build things and so that really helped me understand from taking uh you know your vision from paper into something that you can bring to life with your hands and i think that helped play a part later into my storytelling abilities Got that you. i'll get to in a minute but so i'm at our design hitting all these again prerequisites so i'm I, i've missed some from being in pre-law so now i'm taking all these prereqs for our design yeah so I get to this sophomore review, which is this thing that they do to review all of the sophomores. Now, technically, I'm a junior, but I'm a sophomore in the school. Yeah. Because of grades. Yeah, I'm behind. So I'm like, okay, well, I need to <laughs> I need to pass this sophomore review in order to to move to the next level. Yeah. I get to this review, they they dog me. They they dog me. They dog me so bad I left crying. They them teachers dog me so bad I left the review like they say your shit is trash. <laughs> but at the time I was transitioning, so I hadn't taken technically the classes necessary to showcase yeah. what I needed for the review. But I had told them, hey, this is my trajectory. Like this is what I want to do. It was laid out. Like it was. I sent it to a couple of other teachers. It was like this is decent. Man, they whooped my ass, and I just felt so defeated. I, I remember it vividly. I remember it vividly. I felt so defeated and was like, how many more mistakes can I make? How many more wrong moves can I take? Mm-hmm. But God always has a plan because that led me to other things. So I was like, they said, either you take the review again at a later date, we suspend you or so, it was some crazy options. Yeah. All I knew was I wasn't standing on design Yeah. because there, there was even, there was no reciprocation of love at to no level. Like, just to understand as a student, like where I was coming from and the position I was in. But I knew that God had a bigger purpose for me. I knew what my heart mm-hmm. was, was saying. So I knew you got to take this one to the chin and keep it pushing. What's next? So art and design gave me an opportunity to start looking at visual effects. At the time I was starting into my storytelling by taking a documentary photography class with David Turnley, one of the best teachers that I ever had. He, um, post supplies winner, uh, who for for all of those who don't know him, they should definitely look him up. Um, I don't want to spend too much on time on him, but a lot of the great pictures that we've seen of our generation, yeah, he's taken. And I really? had a, a great opportunity to take a class with him, um, and it blew my mind. He gave me a real chance to understand the language of photography, and that's where my creative endeavors came from because it allowed me to get behind a lens. And so, um. I'll double back to the visual effects side because I was taking both at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was interested in the artistic side of animation. I was doing like 3D modeling with Maya and uh, 3DS Max and ZBrush. Like I was into it. Like yeah. this is lit. Like 
again, I when I want to achieve something, I put my all into it. Yeah, like it if I like if it. I really want. So my focus was animation, three D modeling. I was into it, st- studying all night. I remember being a dude, being in the dude to like four, five, six a.m. just Man. consuming animation, like nights, in the dude, bro. nights, just nights and days, and would just get out of there feeling so lethargic and like ah sunlight. Um, so for a while, I was on visual effects. And again, it gave me a high, but it wasn't hitting. So I'm like, where else can I go? <laughs> Back to Wendy's. Back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's funny. That's a great, that's a great thing to, to know. It's yeah. because high key, I had to keep reminding myself back to Wendy's. Back to that moment of clarity that says, what can you do every day that you love doing? Mm-hmm. And visual effects got me into storytelling for from movie and cinema because we're building content to show on screen. Yeah. And so I was like, hold up, there's something here. The art of starting or the inception of the story started capturing my interest. Like where does, when we get to the visual effects, something has already taken place prior to us getting to the visual effects. What is that about? Mm -hmm. So I really started going back to the movies that I've watched. Like I've always watched movies all my life, but I never took a, a step or an approach to it of, how are these things created? Gotcha. Who gives life to these things? And so that's really when visual effects and then documentary photography merged because David really got me out of my comfort zone of t- going to places that I frankly had no business being into. Like one assignment was go to a religious institution that you've never been to, that you know nothing of, and go document photos. And you need to have a series of photos done or you fail. What? Like, off the strength of just the power of taking creative control over things. And so it really got you moving. Cause it's like, I might fail if I don't do what I need to do, mm-hmm. but it also gave you a sense of urgency and a, sen- a sense of, uh, of, 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 of out of placement. It just, it, uh, uh, it gave me refreshing, a refreshing mindset because it places you in a position to say, I don't know none of these people. I don't know where I'm at, but you're asking me to then photograph and capture what I think your post said, the, the essence of the human spirit. Yeah. That's what I started gravitating towards is, is how we, the, the, the narratives that we all come from, you know, me coming from an elementary background and this tale of two cities, essentially yeah. from Detroit and yet still in private school and, you know, meeting you and then marching band. And yeah. like, we all come with these, these emotional and, and mental and we're, we're beings, we're, yeah. we're human lot, beings. And there's so us. much to us. Yeah. That's the power of, of cinema to me and, gotcha. and storytelling because you pull from those and you pull from those, those strings and then you create these beautiful narratives. And so documentary photography got me really invested in those moments of just capturing someone's true intent gotcha. and the stillness of that and the, the moment that it takes it was all to dur- capture some. Was all yeah, this during, because um, I feel like you're getting to the point almost senior year at this point, all this shit you said, I've been back and forth. Baby. So when was this all that? That's what I'm saying. This was technically <laughs> junior. So I had to spend it. I did five years at Michigan. Gotcha. Because okay. I had to catch it. That's what I'm saying. So this is just the the tip. Documentary yeah. photography and, and, and visual effects. Gotcha. So I merged the two and was like, there's something here. Mm. Hence, long story short, I ended up at the Green Arts and Cultures program where I started learning writing and the art of storytelling and the power of words, you know, and and navigating spaces where I was able to build worlds that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable in. 
mm-hmm. and being able to talk from other people's tales and and what they experience. You know, I, I loved hearing people talk because it allowed me to really understand the different experiences that people go through. We are all not the same. And that's the beauty of how I approached and came into screen arts from those two backgrounds. Gotcha. And then I started really hitting my passion. Now I'm in yeah. the screen. I'm writing. I'm taking now. Now I'm really taking more courses because I have to graduate. <laughs> yeah. And so now I'm like the credit. Some credits didn't carry over. Yeah. So this journey really took a long time, but it allowed me to really understand what I wanted because mm-hmm. the mistakes weren't mistakes. They were lessons. And I was able to say, no, 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 no. But I was able to then find it and be intentful when I found it. Gotcha. Now I have intent behind it. I'm, this is it. And I'm going to chase it. So now I'm taking two, three screenwriting classes because I want to graduate with a screenwriting major. So that way I can really write. Yeah. That's where the magic of these stories come from is that first inception of draft. Oh man, <laughs> that's a beautiful place. You know, and then you rewrite and you rewrite and you craft and you shape, you know, going back to our design, you know, I had to build things with my hands. You know, we, when we were sculpting these wooden pieces, I had to draw back on that when I'm writing these stories, how do I visualize this? How do I make these words come together and articulate something wholesome that people can feel and really latch onto? Yeah. And so God had to reveal to me that boy, the, the things that you call mistakes, I was just preparing you for. And so now I'm pulling on all of this critical thinking and this, and I'm able to then breathe in screenwriting. That's crazy. And, and that's how I got there. Yeah. And to that, that point, at least. <laughs> and I know that's only a little bit of your story. We're going to get into more. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me from that is you were willing to actually realize, okay, this major or whatever isn't for me and switch it up. And I think that's very different from a lot of the people I knew in college, even myself, because there was a point, because I graduated mechanical and engineering. Mm-hmm. And... I got to a point where like, man, I really ain't feeling this. I think it's probably like sophomore year, but I wasn't like, man, I can't just switch it up. That that was my thinking. Right. Right. So I want to know with you, how are you so comfortable or how are you so I can switch it up and be okay? Were you not worried about maybe your finances or maybe your timing? Like, what was that confidence coming from? Man, that's a great question. Um, I'd be lying if I said any anybody else than God in Christ, because he, he kept reminding me that I have you because I'm able to then make those decisions. And the more we'll talk, the more I'll share those moments in which to other people, it sounded insane and it sounded crazy. But once it came to pass, it wasn't anymore. And so I think people have to get to a place where they feel comfortable making decisions that are the best for them. Mm. I think when you, determine what's best for you through finances, you're feeding wrong intention. I think when you determine things was, and and, and that's not to say, don't, don't think about what it could cost you. Yeah, that's not that's, what I'm saying. That's always a fact. I'm saying be intentional about what it could cost you. There was never an instance where I made a decision and didn't do my homework behind what would it cost me to move. So like I knew what credits would or wouldn't transfer before transfer. Mm-hmm. I went to go talk to one of my great uh, teachers of all time there, Terry Saris, bless her heart. I love her genuinely who really guided me through how to allocate certain credits to make sure they met other demands. So that way I could actually graduate on time. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, is to make sure that you move with proper direction. I always prayed about it too. I always say, you know, God, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? You see where my heart is. I'm unhappy. Um, help me guide me in the, and every time it was, it was guided. And so I think you have to come to a place where you say, 
for my heart, this isn't right. And I think when you make decisions based on what's best for your heart, everything else has to line line up Mm -hmm. because you're built to be a conqueror. We're all built to be strong. We're all built to be endurers. We're all built to be much more than I think what we see naturally when we look in the mirror, when we're faced with opposition in our finances, we're, we're built so much more to be bigger than our circumstance. And I think we sometimes let our circumstances outweigh what's best for our heart. Mm -hmm. Cause you, like you said, you felt that, but something inside of you was like, nah, don't, don't do it. But what happens if you would have done it? You know what I'm saying? And I think we get locked in our brain so much of saying if it, it feels too right. So I'm not going to do it because I'm scared of what else. And so I had to be scared of what else was coming. I had to, because I knew what was on the other side had to be greater. Mm -hmm. And so that's just through faith. And, and, and God has to give me that confidence and that, that strength. Because nothing else was by by my own. I'd be like, I'm not doing this. Yeah, like it. you said, I'm. I have an agenda. I'm gonna be a lawyer. Money, money, money. Let me get this. Let me get in and out of here. But I knew there was bigger purpose, and it was driving me insane not to lock into that. Mm-hmm. It it was it was literally you saw the you know the breakdown I just gave, and so yeah, it was inner strength. And I think I say that with so much confidence, knowing that other people can find it. Yeah, no, I that love inner, that. I love that, that inner strength helped me really say this isn't for you. Find a way to make it better for yourself. No, I love that because honestly, what you just described is the essence of this whole show. This whole podcast is because, uh, you know, luckily you were able to find that and move on with it in college. Yeah. Right? And for me, it kind of came within this 20, 2019, 2018 time because it wasn't that I was unhappy. I was sad every day. It was just, man, I feel like I want to do this, but mm. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm unsure. I don't know what's going to happen. And I got to a point, I'm not going to know what happens till I try it. And it's been able to be something, you know, I don't know mm. what it's going to be. I have an idea, but right. I think I want everybody to be comfortable. And even though I focus on creatives, creative conversations, it can be anything that you really want to do. Anything Absolutely. that you feel like. So I'm glad you're able to express that and you're living that. And I want to continue on your story now that you're, hopefully you graduate. I don't know what year we at this, bro. Like, <laughs> you went back to Wendy's one more time. Like, ah, no, no, no. Um, yeah. So just, yeah, quickly to write. Graduation is coming. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm locked in as a writer. I know what I want to do. I want to create. I want to build these worlds that black people aren't necessarily afforded. I grew up a nerd. You know, Star Wars is, is my love child. Reservoir Dogs is one, also one of my favorite movies like mm-hmm. so these these worlds where kill bill i love the the regalness in it yet the 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 outer worldness that also came with it the strangeness that you also were gravitating towards and so you know steven spielberg was somebody who was a big influence and so i was like these are worlds where i see more black and brown faces that don't have to be coded in struggle so i'm building this idea of who i am as a director and a writer but I have to graduate. No one's hiring director writers out of school. Yeah. And so the last year or so I was focused on editing. Like that was my bread and butter. Bam, bam, bam. And what I came to realize was editing was in tandem working with writing because the script is the first part of the craft. And when you get to the editing room floor, that's the last. Mm-hmm. That's when all the pieces come together. And so how God works, he was having me work in both. And I became very integrated in the minutia of the nuance of the details of character and set up and payoff and what that really truly meant and how when we get gravitated towards that in good shows what is that about what is that sauce that they're doing that's what i started paying attention to and so um 
that editing potential allowed me to get into places like Vice. So I graduated five years later, graduates. Yes, God is good. Woo. Finally graduate with my head a bit on straight, you know, and I come out to California. I'm like, that's where I want to be. Uh, it's opportunity. That's the fire. So I tap in and it was a struggle. You know, that's a whole, you know, chapter on its own. It was a struggle. And, um, but a blessing, you know, God gave me a real opportunity. I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, I had a job lined up. I left on a Friday. I had a job lined up that Monday mm. through just faith and good power. And this is with and Vice? This was with Vice. Okay. So I had reached out to somebody who graduated from the same program who was an alumni. Again, we talked about graduating with the connection. He, I was tenacious. You know, I was chasing him. I'm like, hey, man, look, I'm a great editor. Like, what's up? I'll be moving out there in two months. This is what it is. He was like, you know, I appreciate the, you you know, your hustle. You know, hit me up when you're a bit closer to coming out here. Cool. Sure enough, what, a week before I was moving, I'm like, hey, I'm moving. What's up? And so, so you were moving without any set plans in Cali. All I had was a couch. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I had was a couch and a dream and a true ambition and faith behind my intent. That it's all about intent and where your heart is. You know, that's why God asked us to make sure our hearts are clean and pure because that allows us to then move properly. So I, I'm on this couch hustling, and so. He's like, we got a gig for you. So I literally pack all of my stuff up in my uh, Nissan Altima that I had, my 2006 Altima, packed it all up like some totes into the car. The car was shipped and met me when I was got there. So I had a whip. That was a blessing. Moved my totes into my cousin's apartment and slept on his couch and whipped to Vice, you know, and got a taste of the world of, of wow, I'm really here in L.A. Yeah. Pan bills. And straight, <laughs> oh, I was you say, know? yeah. That's crazy. And uh, before you continue, one thing that just yeah, came man. to mind is um, I want to touch on the fact that you realize you were graduating with, you know, a degree that might not necessarily get you hired. Like, I'm not going to hire you uh-huh. just because you got a director's degree, right? Right. And you realize that, okay, how do I make it? How do I provide something of value that somebody is willing to hire me? And I think that's a very important thing because mm. I think when it comes to passion and what we can actually do at the end of the day, we still got to find something that will provide us with a way of living. And I think Mm. it's really smart that you were able to think about what do people need? What is actually valuable, but still somewhat related. And I think that editing really helped you out though. That brother, that was the nail in the coffin, to be honest with you, Um, you know, in ways that are paying off now and we'll get to because vice gave me a taste of the industry. And it also gave me my first actual industry cred. Like I was assistant editor on some, some, some hot content at the time. I was on Jansport. Uh, we did a project with them. We did another one on King of the Roll and Thrasher mm-hmm. at the time. Um, so I was able to get a taste of the branded content side of editing and the, the hustle behind that and really understanding the corporate and narrative storytelling. And I was able to build some good foundation. and that strategic decision I made to figure out, okay, there's a way that I need to make some money while I'm out here, helped me then build the career that I have now, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and again, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. It's about intention. I always moved with intention. So I knew I wanted to direct and write. And you were like, how did you make a leap so drastic without really any plan? Is because 
I knew that if I kept searching for an editing gig, I would have to get one. Yep. Because I'm in the land of opportunity and I'm also doing the work and God has to provide the abundance for that. And so here I am, sure enough, vice lands. And so, but I knew to hit him up prior. It's yes, all about yeah, intention yeah. and making sure you're moving uh-huh. accordingly. And so that's kind of where that landed. Got you. Okay. So let, let's, let's talk about Cali, bro. We're, we're in Cali now. You're editing. And this whole time, I'm assuming you still wanted to get in your directive bag. Like mm, that was kind of mm-hmm. like your whole goal. So I guess what was your thinking? Like, okay, bet I'm gonna do this, this advice, and then hopefully this will happen. Or were you kind of working on some side side hustles? <sighs> <laughs> Man, um, I'm trying to see how to lay this out because f- four months into working at Vice, I was laid off, and at that time, those four months, my focus was only Vice, like. I was just getting acclimated to the city. Mm. You know, I'm living it up um, or at least trying to for what I can. You know, I'm still trying to figure out, okay, how long am I really going to be on this man's couch? Yeah. It's kind of tacky. <laughs> you know, he doing his thing with his, his girl. Yeah. It's just awkward. It's, it's, and not like that. I'm just yeah, saying yeah, yeah, it, the yeah. space alone, you know, this is yeah. their space too. It's, yeah. whew, it's a lot. And so, you know, um, it became a bit overwhelming to to some degree, you know, because you are hustling at a company that is outputting a lot of content. And you're also trying to say, okay, where, where do I fit? How do I get in? And Hey, I am a good editor. Hey. And, and again, going back to, you know, again, I think our lives are set up in payoffs. That's why I love the human essence. I talk about that in writing because we, we go to setup, which was the elementary aspect of feeling, you know, out of place. You know, the payoff is coming to vice feeling out of place again, just from the black standpoint, it's like you, everything we got to look at the, the patterns. And so, you know, so now I'm like, okay, how do you move accordingly? You have to be exceptional. And so now I'm really looking at the landscape of, I have to use my words. I have to talk. I have to be face to face. It's not enough to just hide behind the computer and edit. Well, mm-hmm. okay. There are a lot of people who are doing that here. I had to now get in front and start to utilize J, the JB-ness to really let them know, okay, he's, he has more to it than just editing. And so building this juice, I'm like, I'm paying my bills, getting paid. I'm stack, stacking money. <laughs> I'm still on the couch, but I'm <laughs> okay. I'm in Cali doing my thing, hey. man. We're going to lay you off. <laughs> and they don't, they don't describe it. They don't, they it's don't let me know in. why yeah. four months in I'm at vice. I'm, Hey, I'm at vice y'all the vice. Like we all know that. Right. And again, it goes back to just perspective. You know, sometimes you have to look at your, where you are and miss and, 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 and look at the fact that sometimes your ego is involved. And my ego was loving that. I'm, I'm, I'm at vice and doing my thing. Right. And when your ego is attached to something to the point where it's now more your focus than anything else and actually growing, that's when you start really losing out. And so I had to take a step back that four, after that four months, I'm laid off. What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. I'm on somebody's couch. I have a little bit of savings. I don't know. I need a job. <laughs> I need a job. But yeah. I, and so we go back to being forward facing with people. I I at least know I can work a room. So I decided to get a job at Best Buy. Hey. So so you I love so Best Buy. you see what I'm saying? So yeah. it's life. It, it was full of different opportunities to make decisions on what's best and what's true. And I and think life is just, what do you mean by um, that? me working at Best Buy wasn't true to what I wanted mm. at all. 
but it was best for my growth. And so I see what you did there. It, it it was a pivotal moment again where I'm like, okay, do you stay here in LA? You've moved here, you're starting to get roots. Do you stay here, get comfortable? So now I'll get so now you're saying is what's it was best, but what's true? So let's keep that in mind as we continue throughout this talk. So now I'm at Best Buy. I'm like, okay, what's true though? This is not it. I love retail. <laughs> again, my my sale numbers were great. I can do this. Yeah, but this isn't true. So at the time, I'm like, but what's best is I need more money. And the holiday was coming up. So um, and this is, again, how God works. I went, my mom came down to visit when I think it was 2015. Okay. And she bought me a new laptop. And we met this young man named Sion at the Apple store who just, it was a vibe. He was like, he loved my energy. He loved my mom's energy. He was showing love. It was, it was, he was like, my mom told a bit about my situation, you know, as mamas do. I'm like, oh girl, you was, right? they, you embarrassing they me. Love but my baby was that was, vice, y'all. Man, man, man. So, but look at him now. He's, you know, a little bit down on his luck. And I thank God having a rider like that because that piqued his spirit, that piqued his interest. And so he was like, you know, take my information down. You know, if you really want to work, I can put you into the referral program and that, you know, fast tracks you through the hiring process, right? So I'm like, okay. I follow up with him. Sure enough, he does. So at the time I was at Best Buy, I was trying to land a gig at Apple. And sure enough, Best Buy was like, okay, we think we want to move you to the Magnolia Home Theater Department. Because I was that good. Like, I was selling numbers. I was like, okay, we about to start getting to this routine again. But what's best and what's true? And that money started looking best. You know, it's again, it's all about getting off this couch. It's also it's about making the, yeah. my life comfortable. Sometimes you have to learn some skills first before your life gets comfortable. Mm. And so now I'm like, okay, well, I do need more money. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. So they like Magnolia offering this much, Apple's offering this much. And I know if I can work the floor here at Magnolia and I go to Apple and work it the same way, pff, I'm a shoe in. Uh-huh. So I take the gig at Apple. Man, they beat my ass on that that floor. That <laughs> that product floor. Woo! Another beast. Another beast cuz you're coming in with people who are entitled, who want their product, who are looking for something specific, then you have other people who really don't know what they're looking for. Yeah. And you have to be on it. Mm-mm-mm. They say that um they model themselves after the Hilton. Their their standard of oh. of uh customer service. So you're how can I help you? You're on your feet. You, you can't sit down. Yeah. So it's like, it, be, it was something else that I'm like, I, I'm so thankful for the bread, but it's not true. He said, this ain't and it. <laughs> this ain't it. And so you, you got to come to a point where you stand true mm-hmm. and, and God will open those doors. And sure enough, while I was working at Apple, I was applying to jobs. I had just had the vice gig. You know, I had a couple of stuff that I worked on at the University of Michigan that allowed me to kind of pad the resume, mm-hmm. but the real beefy one was Vice. So I was sending that out with hopes of, okay, I'll get another editing gig. But I, know, I knew I couldn't stay. And Apple was paying good money, especially if you stay in and, and, and really do, like it's a great company, they pay you well. Yeah. And, and they also treat you like family. And they, it's, it's, that's another story. Nonetheless, it, it's real easy to sit and be comfortable there. Mm-hmm. No, it, and it's so, it's and it that's great for some, but for me, I knew I came to LA with purpose. Yeah, and sure enough, I was like, I've had it at Apple. I was there another four months, 
and a gig came through for editing uh, editing gig at a small mom and pop company. Gotcha. And you know that's the next kind of chapter of evolution from there. That's dope, man. And uh, one thing I want to give you a heads up. I know usually we only get an hour, but what I want to do because we we didn't start on the time I wanted to start. For sure. Once we start reaching that hour limit, I'm gonna run it back, and then you'll join back in, and we'll we'll give it like another thirty oh, for minutes. for sure. If you if you if you're cool with that, I'm cool, man. Listen. But yeah, I want to hear about this story. So. Now we've seen that, you know, you've worked the best by the retail side. You're like, I'm good at it, but it's not me. It's not true, which I really like that saying, by the way. And Somebody said, this man love for my job. <laughs> Listen, I get in and get out. And, and, I, and I, I, it's funny to say that. And at the time, you know, I used to think like, damn, I don't want people to see my resume and be like, he can't keep a job. No. What I did, though, was every job leveled up from the last. Mm-hmm. There was never a time where I downgraded. So, yeah, he might have been four months, but look what he did. And then when you meet him, man, he kind of a little charm about him. And so, again, it's about what's best and what's true. And it was easy to stay four months, six months, a year. Mm-hmm. Now you're there two years. You're getting paid. That check's hidden. And, and you've lost sight. And, and that's no disrespect to people who need that job. Stay there and get your bread. Please do. But there's always an out and you can always find that way. And I was still hustling. Like while I was at Apple, um, I was networking or at least trying my best to. But they, they had me working my shifts like crazy. So I was tired. And again, that's when I knew that my job was becoming a sacrifice to my actual craft. Mm. If I can't wake up and still function and do what I need to do for my actual growth in my business, this isn't for me. Mm. And so I had to put my faith in God saying, God, okay, you know, I need to pay these bills. You also see that this job is killing me and I'm busting my butt. Yeah. Help me. Help and me. Help me. <laughs> and so people miss that. Okay. God, I'm struggling. Help me. But are you doing the work to get help? I'm you, you want help and you're not, you're not doing anything to contribute to any, any relation. That's like any relationship. Mm-hmm. You're not doing anything to show me that the next level you're worth taking. So I had to position myself at a, at a point and saying, God, okay, look, I've, I'm here. I'm in LA. I'm here. And so I got the job at the editing gig and I'm editing bullshit. I'm editing <laughs> Epson printer computer. Uh, I mean, we, they, we were doing like small little commercials that they did internally for their products um, I mean, snooze fest galore. I I remember days where I really was like contemplating, like tearing the the edit bay up, like because I was so bored. Paul, listen to me, bro. I was so bored, and I this is a critical moment in the journey because I started to really lose myself here. Yeah. Um, but it's also a critical moment because I missed. I I start. I met the man who I'm now in in business with for Early Bird. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was at this editing job hating it but he said i'm editing printers <laughs> bro epson printers i mean dude oh my god i can't even describe to you how tacky and slow it just was not necessary but there's always a lesson and god will always make a way and so in that moment what we were editing on was a software that was technically dated in the industry it was uh avid mm-hmm. and i learned premiere pro when i was editing that last two and a half or one and a half years at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so when I got to this editing gig, I didn't know shit about Avid. Mm. Nothing. How did they hire you? Did they not ask you if you knew Avid? I lied. <laughs> <laughs> you said, you know Avid? Yeah, I know Avid. Yeah. I, but I believed in my editing abilities. Yeah, I believed yeah. in my, my, the con- I knew I could tell a story. I knew you have to be confident sometimes because listen, white people lie all the time on, on how, 
and that and that goes to where I've elevated in 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 where we'll go from where I edit it now into where I go next. Yeah. I know people for sure who have lied on their resume. Because when we work face to face, it's not lying. Your work <laughs> ethic does you're lying. So I already know yeah. anyway. You gotta get it how know. you live, bro. You gotta get it how you live. And I was I was confident enough in my ability and my talent and my what I have learned, what I picked up, to say, listen, I'm gonna get in and just get it and get it. And sure enough, um, I'm thankful for the young man. His name is Ben. I'll never forget him. He really walked me through understanding Avid. And I had was supposed to come in and pretty much replace him. Oh shit. Like he was leaving oh, okay. like on a for a project. Gotcha. So by the time he left, I was supposed to be at his level, if not already there. So now I'm in the office like, oh my God, what do these people expect of me? Um, but that's when you have to tap into what you truly have gifted inside of you. And I really worked hard to pay attention. I worked hard to understand the language that the company was about and understand the technical side of it. Yeah. Again, it goes back to those vice days. Everything is about setup and payoff. I was setting up being forward facing with these people and interacting. I was now at a mom and pop that was much smaller and much more intimate where I had to exercise those same skills. So now I have to understand because it's that man was running everything essentially. Like when somebody came in to do a voice recording, he had to know pro tools enough to do the levels. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm I'm in territory and thank God for working at the dude because I knew the DMC rooms like thank Ryan and Peter and all them and Carlos and the OGs. They helped me understand. And dude is um, a library in University of Michigan. The University of Michigan, an audio library. Fantastic. If you guys ever get a chance to check it out, check it out. There's a bunch of audio and 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 on content. Just it's a beautiful library. Nonetheless, working there builds those skills of being able to say, okay, I know my way around here to adapt. That's why everything has to be a lesson. You have to be patient enough to learn what's in the moment. And I had to go back and get those skills and say, How do I work this room? And so by the time Ben left. I for sure held down that job and I for sure knew Avid enough to edit these Epson born ass printer videos. But I also knew it enough to then say that after, I think now nah, I was there six months. Hey, okay. okay. Hey, we, up- <laughs> we upgraded now. And while I was there, I met a guy named Jojo. There was a, um, there was a young man who I went to school with one of my best friends ever in life, Louis Acuff, his brother, knew Lewis's brother knew a young man who did vines and Wes is Lewis's brother was like Jay I think you should hit up uh this young man that I know so Wes sends me the information and me and Jojo hit it off I sent him I had put together like some little tacky website it was enough for the time and I sent him over my reel Jojo I sent Jojo my reel and I was like this is some of my work um I had did a, I did a commercial for a Doritos spinoff like it was called munchies and it, it was this man in the forest with this pistol the it was sweet but it was also a lot and you're like okay but nonetheless it was dope <laughs> storytelling and jojo jojo yeah you feel me for some <laughs> bag of chips <laughs> and so um anybody want to check out any of these videos my my website link is in my bio um so nonetheless i send it to jojo and he's like man yo you got some dope work and He's he's like I think we should collab. And at the time, JoJo's this big Vine sensation. Yeah, I'm like, I remember his videos. Yeah. So I'm like, this could really be something great. Like I'm in this born ass job. These you know individuals, coworkers don't really get my sense of humor. Like I'm the youngest here. It's six of us. <laughs> Again, 
what's best and what's true. Yeah. And so in tandem with that, I applied for a, a grantship at Huffington Post doing virtual reality. And that's kind of where Wait, the next what? segment of my, that's what I'm saying. There, there's so many things and so many opportunities that I went and had was afforded that have blessed me in such a way we'd be here for three, four, five hours, yeah. bro. And let me actually stop And that's you not there. to brag, it's just to, yeah. And I want to stop you there so that way we can start on the next for sure. episode. So what I'm going to do for everybody watching, I'm going to actually get off and then get back on just because IG Live gives me a one hour limit. Um, and then I want to start it when we do this. I want to start your story back up at the Huffington Post. So I'm going to run back. Cool. I'm going to spot. And I'll see you all in like one minute. All right, y'all. Welcome back to uh, part two. I know uh, part one was a little, started off a little bit late, so I wanted to make sure we gave Jada the time to really tell his story. And appreciate that. Um, appreciate that. Yeah, so let's continue. I think we're finally getting into you know what you're currently doing now with Early Bird, and you had just mentioned you just met JoJo, and then you're applying for uh, something at the Huffington Post. So let's continue right there. Uh-huh. So um, meet JoJo. We kind of start talking about creatively working together, and um, I came to the table with much more experience, and that's no slight to JoJo, but he was hungry. He was like, I want to know what you know, like. Uh, there's something else more that I want to do than just these 30 second vines or 60 second vines. I'm a storyteller. I'm like, okay, well let's, let's get to it. And so this is really the inception of me kind of starting my own work. Like when I first got to LA, I really didn't work on anything independently um, for my own sake, as far as creative work. So for a while I felt a bit frustrated, not even, not a bit, a lot because you're in an industry where uh, in a place where people are talking about their work nonstop. Oh, I did this. I'm here. I'm this. And so one of the biggest things I had to learn how to conquer was the, again, going back to ego is self gratification. Because when you start to kill portions of your ego, that needs that reciprocation of gratification to make sure you're valid in what you do, you get lost in that. Mm -hmm. And I quickly could feel myself spiraling into a place where I'm like, I'm not putting on any content. Am I truly a creator? Um, So Jojo was right on time because I was really hoping that something like this would come along. And then Huffington Post was a six month uh, grant or not even a grant. Um, What's it called? Uh, like a anyway, it was a apprenticeship or some shit. Yeah, not even an apprenticeship, but nonetheless, it was something that wasn't a full time gig. Gotcha. And so um, it was in VR. Again, being in spaces that I'm unfamiliar with and uncomfortable with and having to navigate them and and be the best me. Yeah. I don't know shit about VR. <laughs> it's new, really. Um, new to me, at least. The yeah, Oculus, it just came out. Stay line on the resume. Man, just, and so now that's what I'm saying. So every, every next move had to be an intention. So I'm at this bored, stale-ass job, needing more. So JoJo comes in the picture. And then Huffington Post, like, we want you to come in and, 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 and do some media management. So again, what's best and what's true. When I got to Huffington Post, I was not editing. Mm. For six months, I did not edit. Damn. I was media managing. So, but I was great at organizing. So I was able to articulate a system that was able to help process their hard drives. And then they started seeing that I was able to then handle, um, you know, cloud storage. So I actually became a media manager. And again, God puts you in places to build all these tools because now it pays off. Mm. I can run a company myself because I've been at every position literally as an and i started off editing like what so now i'm in vr have no clue what what they talking about (laughs) um but i'm i'm listening i'm like okay i'm I'm going back home doing my own research so that way when i show up to the table i'm i'm able to participate 
Gotcha. And I'm able to hold my own weight. But they also are doing Premiere. So I'm familiar with Premiere. But I had just learned Avid from the last job. So I'm like, okay, this is this is back to the basics. Yeah. And so um, I'm trying to get in where I fit in, Yeah. essentially. I'm trying to edit these VR worlds. They have this big camera that has, I think, 12 or 16 GoPros. 10. This was back in the day. What it's much this, more advanced. This was... Sixteen, seventeen. Okay, you were early on with it. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. early on, yeah. early on, and so like it was foreign territory. People were going crazy. We're getting meetings, and so now I'm in the space where I'm seeing white people with money, like, <laughs> but not that they were paid, paid, but they were they were paid enough to be a young company getting investors where they running the show. Yeah, and that intrigued me. I'm like, there. Okay, what's 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 behind the scenes here? What's really going on? How are you guys amassing a team of people out of nothing, getting funds, asking people to invest in a vision that you then bring to life later and then can carry on in the process for longevity's sake? Mm-hmm. Why can't I do this? Mm-hmm. Because half of you guys on the team don't know what you're talking about. If we keep it in a book, like if I'm sitting out and we're talking true business of, narr- of narrative work and arcs and 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 we get to a point where I'm really realizing you don't know what you're talking about. How are you this high up? How are you doing this? Yeah. Come on now. So I'm now looking at the the behind the scenes. God always places you in positions to learn. And so I'm looking at this. But they love me so much as far as how I'm operating in that space. I get access to things that other people that other people don't. I had a key to get into the building late at night. So when Jojo and I would go work on projects, I would come back. And edit oh, our projects. I see. So I'm utilizing, again, everything's about intention. You always have to make a plan. So I'm like, okay, well, these niggas are not going to give me no chance <laughs> to do what I want to do. Yeah. But I also need to be in a position where I'm staying true to where I'm at, what's best, but what's true to me. The, the money's helping me. By this time, I got my own apartment. I've moved out of, you know, I was only in my cousin's apartment for six months. Got my own place while I was working at Apple. That was another hustle, paying those bills by myself, but by this time, so I'm like, what's best and what's true? I had to get something out of it. And I was getting the ability to have an edit bay. Like JoJo would come over late at night and we in this eating all these snacks. Like they would, I love these companies, man, because they got so much money. They got snacks coming just daily. Carts full of, yeah. you know, just goodies. And so me and JoJo would ransack and eat all their goodies. Um, we wouldn't just go crazy and be ghetto with it, but we would, you know, partake. And it became a thing. It was a ritual. We and that's how we came up with Mail Route. We edited Mail Route, uh, which was one of our best YouTube series to date, <laughs> until we come out with this new heat. <laughs> hey, um, speak on it. It was one of our best series to date, and we knew then when we were when we were editing that we had something. We knew that there was something great about our energy. Now, my, m- meanwhile, I'm still working on Valiant Films back home, which is my own other production company on a feature film. Yeah. So. Now I'm really starting to balance this idea of being a creator and being low key. I had to really become a director on my own. It wasn't a a, a, a program that I submitted a, a application for and I was awarded an opportunity to come shadow or, um, you know, a writing. I pitched something and someone, you know, came and said CBS or whoever. Yeah. And those opportunities absolutely exist. But God orchestrated this thing so crazy. I, I truly didn't need it and not that i don't want it or discredit those who have it and there's a part of me who wishes or a part of me that wishes i would have but 
I was still afforded an opportunity to still walk in that authority as a director and writer to get to this point. Because mm-hmm. now me and Jojo are working on our own content and now we're saying, let's hustle. Let's get this, let, you know, there's strength in numbers. Let's get this because we're like-minded. Yeah. Let's get this moving. Yeah. And so that's how that happened. And so I was at Huffington Post and it got to a point where I was about to be laid off again. <laughs> and me and Jojo are working on... Did you make it to eight months though? Um, no, I yeah. actually the program was only for three, and they extended it for another three. Oh, okay. So, so I actually okay. made it to six, and okay. I, they were like, "We could keep you, but your role is high key, not essential." Mm. High key, high key. So we kind of, <laughs> but we like what you bring to the table, just from a creative standpoint. But I was like, if you guys are not going to pay me what I'm worth, number one, and number two, what I bring to the table, and give me an opportunity and a space to be a creative leader, I don't want to be here again. What's best and what's true, and so. I made a connection back home in Ann Arbor before I was graduating at a screening for a documentary film. This was when I was on my documentary photography tip who ended up working at Netflix. So at the time I'm leaving Huffington Post, Jason and I are friends. Mm-hmm. He hears that I've been editing and because we check in often, we go get lunch, coffee, whatever. That's what you got to do in L.A. You know, you got to <laughs> meet up <laughs> or whatever. Um, network. Got a network, but we were really good friends. And he's like, yo, bro, I low key got a gig that's coming up for a show on Netflix that I think you should be an assistant editor for. You should come on and help out. Now I'm working with Jojo and, you know, we, we slow rolling this thing. You know, we're building content. We're young, trying to write stuff that we think is fresh and we're gaining momentum. Um, but I also needed to pay these bills. And this is a Netflix show. Again, we talk about that resume. So there was there's never a time where the job's weren't stacking and I was able to learn what I needed to learn. I'm like, I'm going to take it. Guess what these niggas was cutting on? What? Avid. <laughs> Yo. They was cutting on Avid. That's a sign, bro. That's a, So like, I hated the job when I had Avid. I hated it. But I knew it so well from hating it because I was so bored and I had to dig through it and do whatever that when I got to the Netflix gig, I was able to carry my own weight. Wow. There was nothing that I couldn't do from an actual assistant editor standpoint. I was in my lane for whatever it was worth. And I was editing, mm. editing, editing. Like we're talking about a show on Netflix that to this day you could pull up right now. Boom. Credits. So now I'm really feeling like big man on campus. I'm and like, yeah, the, we really doing this. What's the show, bro? Get that. It's called Ugly Delicious. Ugly Delicious. On Netflix? Yes, it is. And okay. it's, uh, it came out, I think, last, uh, two years ago at this point. They have a season two out, but I only worked on season one. Okay. And it's about uh, a show... Chef David Chang, who's an awesome chef. Um, some of his food is very high priced. That's another story. Um, Ugly but he makes great he makes great meals. He's a great chef, and he has this show that articulates this cultural appropriation of food that we enjoy every day in America, but don't attribute to its actual roots. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about pizza. Like one episode's pizza. Fried chicken is one. I worked on fried chicken, obviously. <laughs> Uh, um, they said we need somebody for this um, part um. come on brother again I'm a, I'm a one of none that's yeah. only me yeah. um, so fried chicken pizza barbecue was a fire episode they have one on fried rice which talks about you know Chinese immigration and breaks down the historical elements of this food that has become emblematic of America uh-huh. but we don't embrace the culture that it came from and it's a powerful show nonetheless but it also gives you places to go eat like a lot of those places I've been to um, and got a chance to really enjoy some food. Jonathan Gold is on there. Rest in peace. Food critic legend. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyone check that out. But nonetheless, 
Now I'm at a point where I'm editing on software that I'm, I'm a beast at on a show that actually gives me credit in a place where I'm actually articulating creative feedback. I'm talking to the other editors. I'm talking to the creative director, the director himself, who's putting the money behind it and the executive producer. So now I'm understanding their roles. I'm, I am have no choice. The, the building, you know, we're in the room. So it's like, I'm embracing all of this. Now I'm understanding the editing side of it. I got that down pack. I'm, now I'm getting the business side of it. Mm-hmm. They're showing me really how it's about when what it is. And so Netflix was strong, a strong gig. I'm re- I was really hitting my stride. I loved Netflix. And to this day, I have um, some coworkers that I ride or die for that. You know, we go out and eat now or when we could. That's legit, um, so we get to Netflix and I go and move on again. I stayed there a year. Year and a half, I think. Hey, we like um, to see it. Hey, we like to see it, bro. And so, year and a half, it's time to transition. Now, at this point in my game, I'm able to, the resume is patterned enough where I'm able to cha- choose where I kind of want to go. Like, what's next for me to level up the best way I need to? Mm-hmm. And I picked this branded uh, company called Attention, A-T-T-N, and they were doing like short two, three-minute videos talking about uh, social justice and climate change and things like that. And so uh, shout out to Early Bird in the comments. Hey. Uh, I appreciate my company. Thank you so much for hearing your CEO talk. Um, appreciate y'all. I'm grateful for you guys. Um, so I'm here at this crossroad where Netflix is talking about another season, but this gig is now salary at attention. I'm, I'm, we're talking money now. We're talking about dental, health. I'm an adult. <laughs> Oh, I'm an adult. Hey, insurance? Not the health insurance. Not the... <laughs> I'm a big boy now. Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to really make moves that make sense again, true and best. Yeah. And so this was worth it. I needed a minute to really treat myself. Attention really gave me that space to be an adult. Mm-hmm. I treated myself to some luxuries. You know, I paid for some dinners. You know, I was able to I got an apartment that I wanted. That it was that era where I was balling. I'm like, okay, yeah. This is feeling good. Yeah. This is feeling great. Mm-hmm. My hard work was paying off. And you think the story gets easier from here, but it did not in any way, shape, or form. Because the year that I was there at attention, and we go back to you talking about, you, you're just able to make these wild moves, was the year I got the heaviest in my life, you know, body-wise, physically. Mm. And I realized that I was... Uh, allowing myself to lie about some truth that I was hiding. And this is why internal healing and soul searching, and I hate the word soul searching because it sounds so cliche, but that SHIT is real. And you, everyone should do that because you begin to really clean up that stuff that's guarding your heart from growing. Mm-hmm. And that year was the toughest year. I was in a relationship of six years. Um, shout out to Abria. I love her. Uh, that's a great friend of mine now. Um, you know, that, was also something that I was fighting for, but also fighting for my vision as a director and writer, but also not really, you know, I mentioned Jojo and we were kind of running together at this time, but he had his own growth. So we kind of, I don't want to say separated, but he was working on something else and I was working on something else. I had a whole feature that I was working on back in Detroit with Valiant Films, you know, a company that I started when I was in college with uh, the drum major of the marching band at the time. David, David, my boy. And so, you know, we're working on this feature. So I'm really trying to articulate my own journey and also build JoJo's, but we couldn't because we had so much growth that we needed to go through. And so I felt like I was losing my brother. 
at the time. I was I was hurt. We were going through a transition. That's really what it was. We weren't fighting or anything, but he was working on a lot of content and finding um, opportunities to grow as a producer. And that was right on time because we needed that. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But um, so I'm sitting here at attention, making great content, making great friends. But I'm dying in the inside. I'm struggling bad. Like the apartment's nice. Yeah, the the meals are nice, but I'm overindulging because I'm not happy and I'm not confident in my work anymore. I'm letting people and the intentions that they have for me outweigh where, where I'm supposed to be moving. So now I've hit a wall. So I'm back at analyzing everything that I thought I was supposed to have. Oh, I'm supposed to be doing this right now. Such and such just dropped a video. This person just did this. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I'm gaining weight. I'm sitting at an editing desk, giving all of my creative energy. Like this is the most that I've ever gave a creative energy into any company. I'm talking about ways to move uh, the company as far as uh, uh, pre-production, post-production workflow to get to the editing bay much easier and restructuring, you know, the hierarchy of some of these things to really manage a company. Like at this point I'm growing Mm -hmm. now I'm walking in JB ness. Like I'm really becoming the CEO, but I I don't have that space to hit that yet. Mm -hmm. And God's timing never fails. And so I'm really trying to flex these muscles but I can't. And it's a lot of resistance. And so um, I'm at rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And, what, and give us a, a little timeline to where you're at with this. What you're so this is probably 2018. Okay. 2000 going 2000. I, Cause I'm, I think that's, I'm, I quit my job. At attention. Quit. I was there at attention. I told them, I, I literally told them I'm giving y'all a month notice. Wow. God told me that I was supposed to quit my job and go to Europe. To Europe? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to break it down. Like, I'm going to take some time off. He said, now I'm going to Europe. Brother. Wow. God told me to quit my job. He was like, I, I had saved up enough money to, to, to do it. Like, I was able to take a large chunk. Not a large. I don't want to cap. I took out three grand because I, I do think it's healthy for people to understand yeah. and be transparent yeah, I like because that. travel is essential. And this particular journey was essential because I was really at a crossroad uh, of faith. I was down on my luck bad. Um, the movie had got delayed a year because while we were shooting in 2017. Somebody said they need your God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, y'all ain't right. <laughs> you, oh. you, you gotta, you gotta. What did they say? <laughs> they said they need your God. <laughs> Dude, that's the crazy part. They can oh. get them. Okay. On all, on all seriousness, yeah, I'm preaching yeah. about some stuff that ain't just for me. But nonetheless, um, um, <laughs> I'm hoping that what I'm saying can help somebody because they, it's possible. I was, I was struggling. I was. I mean, if you go through my Instagram, you'll see a moment where I share, you know, this, this transition. And essentially, I was like, I, I think you should do this. I was very afraid to go to Europe. I was afraid, like, to the point where I was getting anxiety. And something was speaking to me about that. The Holy Spirit was like, bro, something here. Why are you afraid to take this leap? Feel me? Mm-hmm. Why are you afraid to that? What you when you say, Paul, I, I, I feel like I want to, but nah, nah. Everything was telling me not to. And I was so curious about what was on the other side of if I actually did. Mm -hmm. And I am so grateful and so thankful that God gave me the strength too, because Paul, what was on the other side of me quitting my job and going to Europe was some soul searching. Like my family didn't understand it. 
two months in Europe by yourself. Yeah. You've never been like, yeah, I went and did it. And I was refreshed, Paul, in a way that I encourage everyone. And I'm not saying that you got to drop 3K and travel, but I do think you need to take time to be with yourself because God was able to show me some things about me that cleaned up a lot of things that were roadblocks into my growth. Mm -hmm. And while I was having a blast in Europe and seeing a part of the world that I only imagined I could see in, 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 in history books, yeah. I was able to see a part of myself that I never would able, would, would have never been able to see. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to get ministered to, and he was able to clean up some of the dark issues and the selfish ways and the conceitedness and the things that we walk around the ego, the death of ego. Um, it's uh, the death of ego is so important. People should read up on that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I quit my job. I quit. And a week before I was supposed to go, I was like, I'm not going. And Will Smith dropped this video that said something about like parachuting and what's on the other side of fear. And it was all these things that I already been telling myself. Yeah. And I made the commitment after hearing that as corny as it was <laughs> to do it. And man, I did it. And you think, oh, his life got better. It surely did, but it did not when I thought it was supposed to. Because I got back, yeah. and we're didn't in have Europe, a job. Drop some, drop some countries. We're in oh, Europe. so I started off in London, and I flew over from um, Detroit to London, got into London, and stayed there for about four days, and then flew from London to Amsterdam, stayed in Amsterdam for three, and took the train all the way down the rest yeah, through Belgium. Okay. You know, I was in Brussels. I went to Switzerland for a minute. I checked out Venice. Florence was probably one of the, my favorite stops. Um, I just took it all throughout the Western coast. My last stop was Venice, flew home to New York, and gotcha. then New York to Detroit. Wow. Um, I hit up Germany. Um, Mines, Germany was fire. If anyone ever gets a chance to go to Mines, please do. I think it's an hour outside of Frankfurt. Um, yeah, Europe is a vibe, bro. Europe is a vibe. It's a vibe. Um, so I'm here in Europe, and I'm really doing this this journey. and I just understand what peace is i understand what it means to be in solace and 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 present mm -hmm. and that really helped with meditation I, I i got a great book at the time that helped me unlock meditation you know some people think that meditation and prayer and god are all separate they all work together and so meditation was able to help me cleanse my mind and calm my mind gotcha. and i was able to listen and so yes it was still on that 3k by the way <laughs> and i got to two months and was broke i was i was pushing it you know and there was a point where i was almost like i might stay here like it's you know but i had other work to do so i'm glad i didn't stay but yeah it was definitely still on the 3k again it goes to moving with intention i budgeted you know a great friend of mine melissa mel um helped me out um her name i forget what her instagram is but she's a great uh travel planner she's into the the logistics of it she was helping me you know save money and think about this so make sure you have people around you who can help you but yeah I made that 3K stretch. You know, I stayed in Airbnbs. I, I really wasn't with the hostels. Like, yeah, that felt a little dormy to me, and I hated dorms. Yeah, been there, bro. Been so there. I was like, if I'm going to really go, I'm going to just make sure I budget accordingly. And I was able to. So, and, and one thing, too, because yeah. I know that prior to this transition, this uh, need to go to Europe, you were talking about you felt that you had to lose weight. You had to get fit. So when you were in your Europe trip, were you still able to maintain this level of watchful eating or were you not as caring as much because you're traveling oh i maintained it okay. but i also used the fact that i was walking everywhere and it was hot mind you i was there i left july mm -hmm. june or july Oof. and that summer 
I think it was at least 100 degrees consistently. So when I got there, I started treating being there as a workout. Like I was walking so much with my baggage. I only brought one bag, one duffel bag full of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, packing it properly. Like I became really efficient. I was literally a nomad as I was hitting all these spots and traveling, pulling up to an Airbnb. And um, so I used that as weight loss. Like the heat, I was sweating. I was carrying this bag. So I ate the carbs necessary to keep me moving throughout the day because I was doing a lot of move. I'm climbing steps. Like when I was in um, Amsterdam, I mean, they have some, some of the steepest steps you could ever imagine inside of a house. I'm talking about an incline where you're like, I may fall backwards. <laughs> For real. Like I have pictures I may try to post on my story, but you're like, whoa. And so like you're, it's nothing but the journey. And so that helped me stay fit. And that started this kind of fitness. Mm-hmm. So I ate the carbs necessary to stay fit. But nonetheless, when I was back home at Detroit preparing for the Europe trip, I was really on my salads only tip. And even at attention, like when I was about to leave attention, I was eating salads every single day, at least two, three salads. Mm. And I lost weight. Like I was, it was dropping off. Mm. So by the time I came back from Europe, my diet had been so regimented. I was fit from walking. I was skinny. Um, And then I was able to say, okay, now it's really time to get this fitness lifestyle because I've lost all of that weight. But I also had the clarity of mind to lose the weight. There was a lot of baggage attached to my weight. I was insecure about who I was as a man, as a, as the talent and the director. I I had lost that. I was not confident in my gift whatsoever. And I think sometimes it's okay to admit that and then accept that and move forward and be like, you know what, pick yourself up. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that, um, it didn't happen when I got back from Europe because I got back from Europe. I had nowhere else to go. My, I was supposed to move to Houston because I had quit my job, right? At attention. Up, so I'm bro. like, I'm going to go to Houston and reinvent myself. Yeah. Saved up all this money. That's, that's disrespectful. I saved up all this <laughs> money um, to, to move back and reinvent myself. I'm like, LA was hard. Yeah. I was defeated. So I thought Europe would be this reset. I come back from Europe, go to Houston. Dang. Man. No. My spirit said no. Like, because I was running from the challenge that L.A. was. Mm-hmm. I was running from what my calling was. And my spirit knew that. And God knew. It. And he's like, if you go there, you're going to fall apart. Not because you're not capable of going, but because that's not where you're supposed to be. Gotcha. And so I'm like, I got to move back to L.A.? <laughs> I literally packed all my stuff and moved it to Houston in a storage unit. My motorcycle, everything, like all of my belongings were packed up. Uh-huh. So when I had left Europe, I was literally like, move. Yeah. You wasn't trying to, so you, you never really but had I, that intention of coming back when you was leaving. You was like, no, oh. no. So now I'm at, a, again, I've I had so many points in life where God was like, are you going to listen? Or are you going to keep doing it your way? And I'm back in Detroit, torn between Houston and LA and, or whatever I'm hearing at this point. Yo, Houston's nice, bro. We don't play. Houston's fire. Times. My cousin lives there. I was, and that's what I'm saying. I had came there a few times because my cousin lives there. Yeah. He was showing me the live, you know. So I, it was a vibe. And I'm like, I could do my documentary photography here. I was trying to bring, you know, my portrait photography to life a bit more and the elegance and nuance of what I do for that work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, yeah, this could be a great time for that. No, it was not a great time for that because there was something else greater in L.A. that I was running from. And once I accepted that, I, I'll never forget it. I called a friend and this is when it, this was the night after I had cried out to God. I was in the middle of the rain. It was like a thunderstorm. And I was like, I've lost all hope. Like I was screaming in the middle of the what? rain. Like I've lost all hope. I have I was crying, bro. I was again down on my luck. Or so you think it's all here. 
I was like, I have nothing else to do. I have nowhere else to go. I don't know where I don't help me. And I remember going back into the house after saying help me and doing all this crying, feeling defeated. I laid in a blow up bed that my mom had upstairs at her condo because I didn't live there at the time. Yeah. <laughs> my friend says so dramatic. <laughs> Right. But that's real stuff. That's I was video, yeah. I was hoping, like, Lord, in the rain, can you see my plea? <laughs> if I get struck by lightning, would that be enough? But I'm being serious. I really wanted him to hear my heart because yeah. I was hurt. And so I cried out, went upstairs, and nothing felt I didn't feel changed. And three days later, a friend of mine called me named Jane. And we had this kind of come to life moment. And she's like, Well, what's up with you? What are you doing next? I was like, Jane, I really don't know. She's like, you're not coming back to, you know, L.A.? Um, I was like, no. I got a, I, while I was in Milan, I stopped at Milan while I was in Europe. I had an email from a young guy who was working on a show at Quibi. And when Quibi was hot and wow. it was blackballed. Right. So at the time I'm traveling, I get this email. Now, remember, God was like, no more working. So I'm like, I'm not going back to L.A. to work. No way. He's like, you know, we got this editing gig for you where you can start this show, essentially. From the ground up, called yeah. Blackballed, about Donald Sterling coming out saying all that racial stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bet. Bet it up. But I don't know if I really want to come back to work. Is that where God's calling me? So I had blew off the email. So by the time I get to the Detroit moment with Jane on the phone, the email's an afterthought. But she's like, you know something, JB? It seems like everybody here believes in you. You have so many people in your corner who say you do good work, great work. Some of the best work people have seen. She's like, but it sounds like you don't believe in yourself. Mm. And when she said that I was really convicted, like I felt terrible that she was able to call me out on my, my bull. And I was, I remember sitting there in that moment and was like, damn, if I don't believe in myself, not, all of this was pointless. Everything that I've been through, everything that I've shared, everything that I journeyed through was, was a waste of time. And that's when I heard LA say, you had to come back to me and conquer me because you're more than a conqueror. And so that's when life really starts to look good. Now you're asking, well, when does it, it picks up here? Because I had the tests enough to where my endurance was hardened. And so not no longer than after that, Jojo calls me hmm, my long lost brother who I stayed in <laughs> touch with. And is like the gift God gave you and what we were able to do and what the vision that you have. I want you to come help me lead this company. Will you be my CEO? Now, mind you, I'm already a CEO working on David and I, and that's, this story isn't to discredit Valiant Films in no way, because um, Valiant Films was my first love child, but we're, we're the mom and pop of the industry. You know, Early Bird is kind of more of the forward-facing kind of, yeah. this is going to be a, a network. And so early, Valiant Films is really our mom and pop, our slow work, you know, our, our curated films. Um, and I love doing that. That's where I can be really heavy-handed with my writing and poetic. And not that I can't with Early Bird, but it's a different speed. And I'm so grateful because God was building all of these building blocks and putting these pieces together to help me be at this crossroad where I'm able to hold up to and not not boast and say I'm a CEO of two companies to really say I earned. And I have people around me who are great leaders themselves and great colleagues who not only believed in me, but believed in our dream and said, like, we can do this. We can really make a difference. And so... Mm -hmm. When I came back um, to L.A. for the second time, it was a different energy completely. You came through ready. Came through ready. I was guarded. I had built the armor. I had I had the necessary equipment. I had been at Netflix and Vice and here and 
and attention and I gained the weight and, and had to conquer the mental struggle. And like the, the weight loss wasn't to look good. It was to conquer my mind because I always would look in, you know, I would hate looking at the mirror. I'd be like, Oh, I hate looking at myself. I couldn't stand going in front of a mirror because I hated the way I, I didn't believe in myself enough to tame my body and my flesh enough to be committed to working out. So if I couldn't work out enough, how can I run a company? How can I edit? How can I be great at anything if I can't get my body in line with my mind and say, you're better than this. And I started hustling and I started working out and committing to a healthier lifestyle, not to look great, but to feel great. And that's also helped with some of that transformation. And so that's where I am now. Running two companies was not through just happenstance. And especially in a field where I didn't have a mentor, I didn't have anyone to lean on or, and not that no one helped me. That's that, that would be a lie. Yeah. But I didn't have anyone directly connected in the industry. I was like, you know what? You should do this. You should do this and not do this and that. And it can be challenging because I wasn't able to figure it out all the time. Or I was able to figure it out all the time, but I wasn't able to know who to ask the right questions to. And, but in that, I learned so much because I'm a researcher. I'll, get, I'll, I'll start pulling out books and researching quick. Yeah. Again, that like, goes back to set up and pay off. Yeah. That's always been that. How are you going to move? No, I love that. And I think out of all you said, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me, because I know you know, everybody knows you, you got the two CEO, you got two companies, right. but I think the biggest point, part of that story is where he asked you to be a CEO, yep. which to me, me is a lot because when I think I still deal with this every time, bro, even when I told you, when I hit you up and you told me you were honored to be on my podcast, I'm like, what? I'm just doing, yeah, I don't, bro. yeah. So I think that's, that's really great that, you know, somebody believed in you enough to bring you into that company. And I think that, that confidence in itself makes you perform better because you're like, I can't mm-hmm. let this person down. Yeah, And I think what you also should do, let the audience know what is Early Bird TV and why should we be excited for, sure. for it? Um, Early Bird TV. And it's, it's, I'm so glad you asked me this because we're, we're in the process of still, we're a fresh company. We've, what, not even a year in. Um, and we've done some original content that is mind-blowing. So essentially we are a production company that's focused on black original content at its core. Like, but creating cinematic universes in which our everyday is then woven into a way that is articulated to a fresh, vibrant new story, a vibrant new story. Um, thinking outside the box about our ordinary, I don't want to call us ordinary because I think we are supernatural and spectacular beings, but I think sometimes Hollywood mistakes ordinary for trauma mm. so that the black experience, that is ordinary, where we're selling drugs or slinging crack. And and those tales are true to our existence. So we and I'm not saying that we don't tell those stories and those stories and not that we shy away from them and we integrate them in a way that I think empowers us more than it does defeat us. And I think Hollywood has a way of making that our only narrative. Mm-hmm. And so what Early Bird does is say, how are we reimagining the existence of the black narrative mm-hmm. in ways where we create universes where you can be a superhero, where you can be. Why can't we have a game of wor- a Game of Thrones world? Why can't we have a gritty environment that still speaks about empowering our people that doesn't always have to be built in slavery and conquering our, our, our human side. Why can't we be free? Why can't we have a regular normal American family, American for whatever word that is, but reinventing that and and saying, we have some regular stories that are dope. Like I'm, 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 I want to get back to the days where I remember being excited about the 4th of July anticipating that that barbecue cookout that you knew everybody would come over mm-hmm. and there's stories there like 
build off that build off those worlds those human essence moments where you recall and your memory was like man time seemed like it lived forever those are powerful instances of our existence and i think yeah. that's what i want to bring to early bird as the ceo and that's what they've offered and allowed me and not that you know i, I just i love that team nah. i love that team because we're going to do so many great things and they believe in me enough to let me lead them and that's powerful no, and so that's what Early Bird is about, is just having a space where not only are we able to create, we're giving people spaces to create. We're, we're hoping to invest and have people's scripts come to us and we produce. You know, we're, we're putting out our content first just to streamline and set the tone of, hey, look, this is what we're about. Yeah. But eventually we're hoping to get people, hey, send your scripts. They will be evaluated to a T, but <laughs> send no us trash. your work. That's yeah. fire. Yeah. And and we believe in you enough to say, you know what, let's put some money behind this. Let's let's invest because I wish someone would have invested in me. I really do. And and Jojo did and Jason did and the people that I work with, they invested in me. Mm-hmm. I thank God for the people who were in my life and the people back home in Detroit, some of my best friends, Lewis and Orlando and George and 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 everyone. Everyone who contributed to me, you, the Alex and Brand all of it came to fruition in this moment and it's been so grateful to be a part of people seeing that evolution and being able to be healed and cleansed enough to accept love. Yeah. I think so many times we don't put ourselves in positions where we can accept things mm-hmm. and I'm at a true place of accepting people's love. And I, I, I just, that's where I'm at, man. No, I love that. That was a great pitch, bro. I gotta, I gotta sign up. Y'all got a subscription. Man, listen, list. What's, what's next? So our website should be coming at the end of this month. Our targeted date is January 28th. Um, and we're pushing, pushing, pushing hard for that. But you can definitely follow us on Instagram at Early Bird TV. Yeah. Uh, but that's really what the company's about. Hopefully, move not even hopefully. We we're claiming moving forward, we'll be able to give you know invest money into foundations and really revitalizing what it means to have a creative conversation among Black people because there are areas where I I, I wish there were times where I was growing up and could hold a camera. It could have changed my entire perspective mm-hmm. on what it meant to be creative. Yeah. I didn't get a camera until I was a sophomore in college and not that we couldn't afford one or yeah. it, w- it was just that it, the opportunity, like what if it's given to you in a class and you're like, Hmm, what's this? You start to tinker and you start to wonder and you start to dream. Exactly. man. It, it changes you. And so I want to be able to give back to the community and give them opportunities to learn and tinker. No. Uh, Cause I'm a tinker. I, I, I like to break things down and, and really assess. And so why not give children and creative minds who are younger, that same opportunity. And so I believe Early Bird's really going to be a network that changes the industry. I'm, I'm, our team is claiming it. I'm claiming it as the head. Like we're going to, the dynamic has to be different because for so long, things have been so simple and so basic and draining. And black people are much more powerful. And some say, why do you make the company about blacks? Because we don't have enough of that. We don't have enough strength in the industry where we can say this is a black company. And so- we're standing by that. And we do give opportunities to all that doesn't discredit or discriminate yeah. anyone else from sending anything in because we do believe in our, my team. If you look on my my profile, my team is diverse. There's young women and, and Asians and Latinos and blacks and white because we 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 believe in that. But at the forefront, our content is really where we're trying to bring life. Yeah. And so we're standing on that confidently. No, I believe that, man. I I. I really just like appreciate that. Cause for me, I think when you ask me what life is about, I'm very much about people, man. I love mm-hmm. people. I love talking to people. I love understanding why somebody is who they are because that helps you to understand them. And, you know, right. even though you mentioned you've been through your highs and lows 
and now you're up, you can still be down again, right? But what right. I'm getting from you is your mentality. You're trying to do the best for you and for others if you are able to, when you're able to. Not so, trying. I'm doing because that's it, the yeah. that's the part. It's there are there are days. Literally, this week was an, a hard week, and mm-hmm. that's a conversation for another time. Another time, yeah. But it's about what you react to, and I'm I'm reading this awesome book that helped me understand that. Um, that I'll share on my story sometime in the near future, but not right now. But nonetheless, it's talking about how you react. And every decision you have an opportunity to react to, you allow a certain level of light to be inside of you. So whenever you start to find that negative side of you creeping up or the oppressor speaking and saying, oh, you shouldn't do this or cuss her out or da da da, I find myself saying, okay, I'm reacting to this. Let me switch this and say, you know what? How do I allow more light in in this situation? And immediately when I say that, the reactiveness or the anger or the negativity has to fade because my, my whole mind is saying switch to finding light. Yeah. And no matter where it comes from or how it does it, my mind changes. So I think when you're at a level where you're starting to find your stride, you have to be one, not afraid of failing because we're not built to fail. Number one, yeah. that's just the bottom line. We may feel like this is a fail, but everything's going to come back and work for our good. So when you start to lose the idea of failing, you begin to walk in confidence and then say, these situations that have me feeling uncomfortable, I need to address because something's making me uncomfortable about this. There's, all, there's all either light or good, positive or negative. And so if I come and I'm saying, okay, this situation is making me feel negatively, you're reacting. Why are you reacting? Let's get to that. And when we then get rid of that reactiveness mm-hmm. and focus on being proactive in the situation, Every instance now, if you're if you're if you're on it daily, which I strive to be, there's nothing that can really stop. Really, no, I believe I love it. Just that. takes that mental conditioning, and that's why working out became so important to me because I had to work my mind out enough to say, "Get your fat ass up and work out." <laughs> Seriously, yeah. that's how I had to kick myself in the butt. At least get up and work out. You can you can watch twenty different shows on television. You can smoke a blunt. You can do everything else, but work out. For your betterment, get up and work out. And once I was able to condition that, I was able to condition my mind in every other area because I was able to say, think positively immediately. You're going down the wrong path. Speak life to this situation. And so, yes, it gets hard. But I think when we look back at that, those lessons and everything that I tried to cover in this this episode, it built endurance mm-hmm. and it built strength and character. And it and it we have to honor our lessons. And we run from them so many times and we say, oh, my God, that was such a painful, painful life or that painful period. Yeah, it was. But where was the growth? Where was where you where you said, "Okay, what needed to be cleaned in my heart? Yeah. And so now that's how I work and operate. And this company works and Valiant Films work and everything I do is with love and and good intent. Because if I love you enough to take time to talk to you on your feed and on your IG, it blesses somebody else. Thanks. And then I'm now a conduit of blessing. I'm not here to just get my blessing. I'm here to help people find out the truth. Mm-hmm. And the more I'm helping others, he has to continue opening the doors for me because he's like, okay, he's doing what he's supposed to do, helping people, loving and yeah. not talking bad and not gossiping and not doing this. And there's so much room for good seeds. So I have to drop it on him. And now my business has to get blessed because of it. And then I'm a steward of that and, and manage it properly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it gets hard, but my faith allows me to stay strong the things that i've been through me remembering like wow there was a time where you hated that boring ass job where you hated 
where you felt like nothing, where you were down on your luck. Amen. But look how you conquered through and came through it. And if we could just remember how we've conquered, mm-hmm. whew, man. Nothing else, man. Nothing's impossible, bro. And um, well, you kind of probably just said all I was going to ask, but uh, I hope kinda, I didn't. I hope I didn't mess up the floor of your show, man. No, no, no. Just, you were actually getting to the point of my show, and because one thing I always do when I getting ready to end the episode is I always ask for my guests to drop words of advice. If they had just mm. one, you only had a certain amount of time, only a certain amount of words. What are the words of advice you would give to anybody listening to this, watching this? You know, and I feel like you've kind of dropped a lot, but I don't know if anything just comes to mind that you feel like if there's anything to take away from this episode, what do you think that is? Okay, give me one second. I'm going to grab a book that I want to show the audience. Give me okay. one second. Bet. This man got props, yo. Also, I want to appreciate y'all for tuning in. I know it's been a, a longer episode, but I think it's worth it. All right, so I had, to get the, I had to get the book because a lot of people just hear me say it and be like, okay, yeah, whatever. But when I left for Europe, the seven spiritual laws of success, when I left for Europe, my mentor, Brian, um, oh my God, forgetting this man's last name, <laughs> Brian Rhodes, he gave me this awesome book. This awesome book changed my life. And I talk about God and prayer and, and meditation, but before I even got closer to God, I had to get my mind right. And this is a practical book on strengthening your mind, understanding the cosmic energy that we have within inside of us that allows us to do and be everything. And while I was on, quote unquote, the road to Damascus, essentially, in Europe, this book, this isn't something that I could, I flew through. Like I only could read a chapter a month because I really would study and practice the principles. Um, I encourage anyone who's watching to really pick this up. This book really changed my life. It's, it's not one of those self-helps that feel like you can, it really breaks down the, the innate ability to change your entire life just by f- mentally thinking about the things that you can do. Um, and I, I bring this book up to say the point to your, what you're asking is what advice is learn how to train your mind. Um, and I used to think it was so silly when philosophers or great men of words and women of words would come on and talk and say, the mind is a terrible thing to waste and train your minds. Like we always knew that, like, okay, but, but the, your mind is your biggest opponent. It's the, it's the truth. It's that's really what, where Satan lives and the enemy is. It's because you can convince yourself out of a lot of things. You can really talk yourself out of some some moves that you should have made because the lie is here. And if you don't have the will to train your mind, you'll get in positions where you're supposed to be great, but your mental conditioning hasn't been proper and you're falling apart. And 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 if I hadn't trained my mind, that book helped me understand the true power of meditation. And I was able to go some places that I couldn't even I would sharing sounds crazy. That's why I say it only has to be in, pra- in practice, practically. Um, I'm given the, the gems that I have. And that's what I would say. Train your mind and cleanse your heart. It's not enough to just be strong here if your intention and the way you do things is still not good. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so much cruelty in the world. It's corrupt. And that shouldn't steer you away from doing the right thing. Because you're, you still get blessed regardless of how cruel the world is. Ever since I gave my life over to doing the right thing, if my heart doesn't feel joy from it, it's not right. And that's not to say and be frivolous. See, I think sometimes we, we tie money to our heart and money is attached to our heart. That's one of the biggest heartstrings that's there. But I'm talking about 
caring for others and sharing a word. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought about him today. I'm going to actually send him just a small note. Yeah. I give so much money and not that I'm balling. I'm, I'm barely making money off the company. If we're going to keep it real right now, we're not generating no money. But what I am saying is we will be generating money and we will be millionaires, but I'm still practicing principles of being a millionaire now. Like I give when the Lord tells me to give because I, my, this book talks about money being a currency. Money is current. And so when you give, it has to come back. Mm-hmm. So when, I, when the Lord tells me to give, I'd be like, okay, let me give this money to, I, I actually need this Lord, but, yeah. but I always get blessed. And I hope I'm not trying to do too much on this show, but I'm just trying to give people some small things that really, really, you know, when they, when people look at a CEO or someone running a company and say, how did you do it? How did you get there? This is how mm-hmm. there is no, no one gave me a, a lump sum of money. No one said, Hey, come work here and be a steward over a company. And well, and so essentially he did, but I, I knew Jojo before the company was here. He knew my work ethic. He knew yeah. my vision. He knew my spirit. And so he felt confident enough to approach me. It wasn't just through. And so I'm just trying to give some tools that really changed my life that I didn't hear. In a, and I heard in church, but didn't really articulate in practice. No. I'm just trying to give practice. And I would just say, train your mind and cleanse your heart. Because it's not enough to be smart and to be pure here and not pure here. Because everything's tied to how you care for people. Mm-hmm. Really. No, I love that, man. And I don't feel like you're doing too much. I think... You know, honestly, if it wasn't for the platform, like I probably would let it go for however long I want to talk. But so, uh-huh. you know, we're just starting out. But no, I really appreciate you. Uh, you know, I'm gonna wrap it up, but I do want everybody to show Early Bird some love. I, I did tag it in the um, show, and notes. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate and, uh, that. So I'm excited for what you bring out because I think you've done a great pitch. I think it's gonna be dope, and I truly believe in you. So that's I think that's enough right there. Man, so. thank you. And listen, please do me a favor because sometimes I get into the spirit and get the rambling. Yeah, and I don't know really what I said. So if you could do me a favor and cut out the portion of my company that I laid out, <laughs> because that was fire, and I I want to use yeah, that yeah, and write you. that down. No, I got some fire. Clips, I keep it real. Bro. I got That's some what I'm saying. Clips, I keep yeah, it real. Yeah. Oh, listen, I was. And I can edit I a little that. bit too. You know what I'm saying? You feel so. me? You feel me? Um, no, but now I'm I'm uh I'm, I'm really appreciate you for real, bro. Um, you know, first episode of the year, we came out strong. Heat. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, no, Paul. Seriously, I'm so honored that you allow me to come and be on this show because. Um, I asked God, I was like, God, give me a, a, a give me the strength to be more public because I, I don't really like doing this. Like for me, I used to feel like it was boastful in a bit, but I want people to know how the goodness of Jesus works. Mm-hmm. And this is the only way I'm able to be at this point and where early birds going to go. I want people to know he was really on live saying that a year or so ago, because that's the only way I'm getting to where I need to go is no it's not through my own strength of just. Yeah. Being a CEO, like he worked hard. I did work hard and I studied and I still study and I'm always improving myself. Mm-hmm. But that's how you really get blessed is when you improve yourself. And when he's like, okay, he's, he's where he needs to be. Go ahead and give him this company. Go ahead and give him this million dollar deal. Go ahead. And, because you're, you can, you can steward it properly. Now we need it, Why would bro. he give it to you if you can't handle it? Nah, we need it. You're going to fumble the bag. Fumble we always talk bag, about bro. that. Come on now. Nah. No, I love Don't it. Fumble. Bro. Don't fumble uh, guys back. So. Yeah, bro. I will be back, man. I'm I'm no. honored that you considered me a, a guest, really. Um, I thank you. I thank you for no. your gift and I thank you for this platform because I think you're gonna change lives as well. Yeah, So I'm you. I'm honored, man. I know I will forever be to kick off the year. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Thank, thank you. Thank you man. so much. And I'm gonna let you go. Y'all show some love, drop some pony emojis, and I'm gonna wrap it up with the rest of the gang, bro. Appreciate you. Hey y'all, hope y'all enjoyed that episode. Um, I definitely did. I think one of my favorite episodes so far. 
And once again, I know it went a little long. There might have been some technical difficulties, but I think it was definitely well deserved. I just want to use this to thank you guys for tuning in all the way in. Um, thank you for welcoming the new year with some new Paul and Palace content. For any new listeners, new watchers, I do hope that you guys are willing to subscribe. We have a lot where that came from. So the best way to watch live is to follow on Instagram at Paul and Pals. Uh, if you guys want to tune in with me on socials, you can follow me at Ponyboy Paul. And I just also want to announce that I actually just started a newsletter to accompany the podcast. And the goal of this is because I actually want to start really tracking, you know, who the true Paul and Pals fans are. And for the people that aren't able to really be on social media, don't have that time to maybe watch a two hour long video or listen to a two hour long podcast, I wanted to provide a space where I kind of break down what I learned from that episode with some quotes some clips and just kind of make it easier to consume. So if you guys are interested in that and you don't mind me being your email inbox every other Monday, uh, look in the link in bio with the link tree to click on the uh, subscribe to the newsletter link and that will take you right there, easy setup. And there you go. So once again, thank you guys for joining. And just as a reminder, remember to stay creative. Peace.